mystery of the day that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ rose from the dead. What a beautiful day you've given us. Lord, we thank you that we could assemble here in a drive-in service. We thank you for all the folks that are watching by live stream right now. Lord, we're praying that you do a great mighty work in our hearts. We pray for hearts that are hungering and thirsting for you. A great desire that you be exalted. We think about what we'll be reading this morning about our souls desiring God. And Father, more than anything else today, I pray that your people desire all that you want to give them. We thank you that you've blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Thank you this morning that you're the Lord of heaven and earth. We thank you there's nothing that happens that, does, that takes you by surprise. We thank you that you're always in control. Father, increase our faith. Increase our love for the things of God. Lord, enlarge our heart and enlarge our steps. Even as Jabez prayed, we pray that you would bless us indeed and enlarge our coast. We pray right now for healing in our nation. We pray for healing in the city of San Leandro. God, we pray for great spiritual revival. We pray for political leaders and those in offices of leadership to come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. We pray for many in our country that are hurting and grieving right now. We pray right now for those who are angry. We pray that the gospel of Jesus Christ would not be inhibited in any way. We know it's the only solution. It's the only, the only medicine that you've given that can change hearts. We know it's not social reform, but spiritual regeneration that can change the hearts of people. Father, I pray for listening ears. We pray, God, today for troubled hearts and minds. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And Father, we pray for every troubled heart and mind today. God, that you show them the pathway to perfect peace. And the God, that your great desire and goal is that they would know you and know the power of your resurrection. Bless this service, Lord, in an unusual way today. Enrich our faith. Speak to us, Lord, in a way that only you can. We'll thank you for this, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all of God's people say, amen. We're glad you're here today again. Uh, we want to remind you this morning that if you have children, be sure after the service day, if you've not done so already, to go to uh, go to the HBC Cares, at the YouTube at HBC Cares, and to find our children's channel there and for the, the video that's already been prepared for their Sunday school lesson. And we pray that it will be enriching and helpful to them. I invite you back tonight to join us for our live stream service at 5 p.m. It will be a live stream service from Revelation chapter 11. Very excited about the passage of Scripture. We're studying tonight about God's two witnesses, and we're making our way through Revelation. Great, great time of study we've been doing on prophecy and as we're getting into some things right now, we're going to see some things that unfold during the first three period. And I hope that you'll be there tonight for that and you'll share it with other people to join us for that. On the way out today, make sure that you grab, we may still have a few uh, signage that you can put on your lawns. Many of you took signage that just encourages people to pray for our frontliners and shows our appreciation for them. And if you'll take a moment, if there's some still left, grab one on the way out. We want you to take one and put it in your front yard. Well, let's take our Bibles this morning. I want you to go to the book of Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah chapter 26. Very excited about the passage we're studying today. It's something we all need. It's something especially if you're during the course of being in shelter in place or going through a health trial, job transitions, maybe even a job loss. When perhaps your finances are a little bit low you're grieving the loss of a loved one, you're stressed, you're anxious, you're agitated. This morning, God's word has an, has an answer for us today. And you'll notice in Isaiah 26, if you're there, we're going to read verses 1 to 4. 
The Bible says in chapter 26, verse 1, In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates, that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Notice verse 3. If you've not committed this to memory, I encourage you to do so. Everyone here today will find yourself more than once, more than once, more than twice, in need of verse 3. It is medicine for the soul. It is a bomb from the mountains of Gilead. He says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Father, bless the word this morning. We need you to go deep into our joints and our marrows, our soul and our hearts. The word of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. We ask this morning that you'd enlighten us. We pray you'd give us wisdom. We pray that, Lord, you'd help us to discover God's pathway to perfect peace today. I pray that, Lord, you'd lift this passage of Scripture off the pages of script, uh, off the Bible this morning, embed it deeply in our hearts, Endear it into the hearts of our, of our believers today, our brothers and sisters in Christ, that you might be magnified and glorified. I pray for the salvation of souls today, for some here today who, who do not have peace with God, that they might attain that. And for some this morning who yet have, do not have the peace of God, that they would attain it today. Thank you, Lord, for meeting with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. You notice in chapter 26, verse 1, it gives us a time frame in which this passage of Scripture fits. It says, in that day, this is a millennial passage. The millennium speaks about the 1,000-year reign of Christ, Christ's kingdom on earth. It'll be a government and kingdom unprecedented, where there will be real peace, where there will be genuine peace, perfect peace. But what Isaiah gets a glimpse of not only applies to the future, but it applies to us personally as well. We saw last week in chapter 25 a very beautiful glimpse of the millennium, of what we will be doing, of these spiritual activities that we'll be doing continuously during the millennium. We talked about it as being a time where the godly rejoice. And we mentioned the fact that you can enter the millennium through a faith relationship through God's Son, Jesus Christ. We, speak about, we spoke about the fact that the redeemed of God will be feasting and having a wonderful time. It will be a banqueting time. We'll have all of Jesus Christ and we'll enjoy him for that entire period of time. We talked about the fact that it will be a fortifying refuge, that we find that the Lord will be a shelter in the time of storm, a shade in the heat, a time of help when we need it. And as we get to chapter 26, we find this passage of Scripture 
speaking to us about, again, this millennial period. Notice in verse 1, we see that a song will be sung. Actually, chapter 26 is a song. Much of the Bible that was written was written according to a song. A lot of David's psalms were songs. And if you'll notice chapter 26, he says, In that day shall this song be sung. You know, we sing for the most part when we're rejoicing, when we're happy. There's something that grips our heart. God puts a new song in your heart when you get saved, even praise unto our Lord. The Bible says there's a song. The Bible speaks here in chapter 26, verse 1, about a city. Notice it says, In that day a song will be sung in the land of Judah, and we will sing, We have a strong city. Specifically, that's speaking about Jerusalem. Jerusalem will be the hub for the worship of God. All nations will flow into Jerusalem to worship the Lord. As we've watched things unfold over the last several days, we've seen things peel back across various cities in our nation. We're reminded about one thing. Many of our cities are not as strong as we thought they were. We found that our cities are not very strong in many ways. But I want to tell you this morning that in the millennium, in the city of Jerusalem, we have a strong city. And then notice we see salvation. We see a song. We see a city. We see salvation. Notice the description of salvation. It says, salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Now, salvation, the word for salvation here is the word we get our name Joshua from. Joshua in the Old Testament is the name for Jesus. Jehovah is salvation. Hey, we can rejoice this morning. Jesus is salvation. Salvation is Jesus Christ. And knowing salvation comes by saving faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other. Salvation speaks to the fact of being saved or delivered from a very precarious, difficult, dark situation, an irreversible situation. We're saved from the gates of hell. We're saved from perishing in hell. But in the millennium, this is wonderful. In the millennium, the salvation we have in Jesus Christ are walls, and a fortress for us. It keeps us safe in the place of God. We see a song. We see a city. We see salvation. Notice we see in verse 4, we see strength. We find that our strength is in the Lord. The Bible says, in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. You know, when you're going through a trial, when you're going through a time of difficulty, when you see things unfold that you can't change, we sense our weakness. We sense our mortality. We sense our vulnerability. We recognize that we just are not as strong as we thought we were. It's during those moments of time we realize we have to rest in the Lord and find strength in God. But the Bible tells us during that millennial period that, the, that during that time we'll, we'll find out and discover forever that the Lord is our, is our everlasting strength. But here's what I want you to see this morning. Thank God we see a song. Thank God we see a city. Thank God this morning we see salvation. Thank God we have everlasting strength. But in verse 3, notice we have perfect serenity. The Bible says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. What a description. Peace. Not just peace, but perfect peace. A peace that's beyond our understanding. What is this perfect peace? How do, we explain, how do we obtain this perfect peace? That's what we're going, we're going to study this morning. What is this perfect peace? How do I obtain it? How can it be mine? How can it be my possession? How can I, even as a child of God, have 
perfect peace as God describes in his word. Well, number one, we want to discover the source of this perfect peace. The source of this perfect peace. Everyone is seeking for peace. Everyone is looking for peace. About a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, my wife and I were calling on one of our good, good church families, one of our good church members, and we're sitting down talking with them for a little bit there, and this good church member, wonderful church member, led, led, led her and her husband to Christ, and we, uh, they, they, she made the same. They said, well, I, Pastor, I'm going, to move out of the, I'm going to move out of the state. I'm moving out of the area, and I thought, oh, I said, we, we sure hate to see you move, and I was trying to persuade them to stay, and I said, well, you know, this is your church and your church home, and some of your best friends are in the church. I said, why are you moving? And the answer to this good church member says, Pastor, I'm moving because I want more peace. And what they meant by that, just the noise and a lot of other things going on were just very disruptive. The person says, I just want some peace. A few weeks ago, we have a, a family in our church, a very loving family in our church that had a relative going through some very, very troubling moments and were troubled in mind. And the family member called me from out of state and we spent some time talking. I began the conversation. I asked the question. I said, well, I said, what's, what's, uh, what's on your mind today? That was my question. I said, what's on your mind today? And that person who came to know Christ as their Savior that afternoon, they said this. They said, my life is filled with burdens. I'm looking for peace. Everyone is looking for peace. Isaiah 26, 3 is an interesting word. The word perfect was placed there by English King James translators. It's a good word. In the Hebrew, the word that describes this is shalom, shalom. It's peace, peace. When they wrote this in the Hebrew, the Lord was saying through Isaiah, Thou being God, will keep him, you and me, peace, peace. Now in the old days, they had a way of speaking about absolutes, something that was completely trustworthy. And they did that by using doubles. Peace, peace. It meant a truth, an undeniable fact, an absolute. He was saying there, God will keep us in total and complete peace. Now, people are looking for peace today. They're trying to find it in pacts, peace pacts, peace treaties that get broken. They're trying to find it through protests. They're trying to find it through prescription medications. They're trying to find it through prosperity, and on and on. It's elusive. It's evasive. It's unattainable in the, the means that this world gives. The source of peace is God. Thou, thou, the source of peace is God himself. He is the essence of all peace. There is no peace apart from God. The very name of God is peace. The very first mention we have of God being peace is we find in Judges chapter 6, verses 21 to 23. There we have the account of a young man by the name of Gideon. Gideon was intimidated. Gideon was filled with fear. Gideon was filled with anxiety. And the Bible says that as the Lord started speaking to him and challenged him and told him that he would be God's leader to help the nation of Israel overcome the Midianites which had overtaken them, 
he decided to bring an offering to the Lord. And he was scared because he said that the Lord manifested who he was. And Gideon said this. He said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said to him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. There at that moment, Gideon saw he had a manifestation of God. That is what we spoke about last Sunday night. He, had, he saw what we call a theophany, the pre-incarnate appearance of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus appearing in the Old Testament. And when he saw this appearance of this angel of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, and God speaking to him, peace be unto thee, immediately Gideon's mind focused on the fact God is the source of peace. And there he gave us that wonderful name, Jehovah Shalom, or if you would, it means basically that the Lord is our peace. The Bible says in Romans chapter 16, verse 20, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. He's the God of peace. Satan is the God of war. Satan is the God of unrest. Satan is the God of agitation and anxiety and worry. Satan wants us stressed out. Satan wants us to be agitated and hateful. Satan wants us filled with unrest, sleepless nights, anxiety disorders, and all of those things. But I want to tell you today, God is the God of peace. And when Paul wrote Romans 16, he was writing to believers who were disrupted in their lives and concerned about things going on, about false teachers that were causing havoc in the church. And he said, now the God of peace that brought again from the dead. He said, the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet. You know what he's saying there? Satan cannot have, get, have victory over you. God is the author of peace. We read later on in Hebrews 13, 20, now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. I love Hebrews 13, 20, 21. He speaks about the fact that there was unrest and worry in the hearts of people after Jesus died and was buried. But thank God that he raised him from the dead. And as he wrote Hebrews 13, 20, 21, he says, Now the God of peace that brought again for the dead, where there was unrest, where there was a lack of peace, God came along and he raised Jesus from the dead and peace came into the hearts of those disciples. That very first night, he went into the upper room and he met with those disciples. And the very first words out of our Lord and Savior's mouth was, Peace be unto thee. You see this morning, the very essence of peace is God himself. Jesus Christ in the announcement that was given in Isaiah 9, 6 speaks about him, about being the Prince of Peace. You see, you're not going to find peace in anti-depression. Personal relationship with people. You're not going to find peace in all the different things this world offers. Peace is found in the essence of God. Jesus said this in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Now there's a lot of things we want in life, but the greatest thing we need right now is we need peace in our souls. We need peace in our lives and peace in our mind. Jesus said, these things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. You see this morning, the source of peace is the essence of God himself. His very attribute, his very person is that he's the God of peace. But notice something else here. The, the source of peace is found in an essential. The source of peace is found essential. Now, for that peace this morning, we have to understand something. Before you can have the peace of God, you need to have peace with God. You need to have peace with God. Romans 5.1 gives us some enlightenment about that. And I want you to listen very carefully. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God is the starting point to perfect peace, or peace, peace. 
Peace with God comes from being justified by faith. Justified by faith is a judicial term. It is a declaration given to someone who's been found guilty of crimes that he is to be penalized for. Serious crimes. And the crimes we're referring to here is being a sinner. Being a sinner under the judgment of God. That's everyone. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. Every person is under the condemnation of God because we were born in this world with a sin nature. Justification is when a sinner who is condemned has found pardon and forgiveness. And in that pardon and forgiveness, on one, on one hand, their crime, their sins are exonerated. But better than that, their sins are not only exonerated, their sins are expunged. They're removed completely off of their record. Our sins are forgiven, and praise God, our sins are forgotten. And the essential here is what he says in Romans 5.1, when we are justified by faith, when by faith you realize you cannot save yourself, when by faith you put your faith and trust alone in Jesus Christ to save you from your sins, repent of your sins, you recognize religion cannot save you. Church membership cannot save you. Going through a religious ritual will not save you. Faith alone in Jesus Christ saves you. When you put that faith and trust in him, the Bible says we are justified. God looks at us as if we have never sinned. This morning, God tells us that the source of peace is through the very essence of God. God tells us this morning that the source of peace is the essential of being justified by faith. I wonder this morning, do you crave for that perfect peace? Do you pray for that? Do you crave for that peace of God? I wonder this morning, do you have peace with God? Have you experienced that peace with God? Listen this morning, there is no other way of getting peace with God except through faith alone in Jesus Christ as Savior. And that peace with God comes when we accept him as our Lord and our Savior for the forgiveness of our sins. Thank God this morning we see the source of peace. But notice secondly, look at this passage of scripture again. We see the source of peace, but notice secondly, we have a stipulation for this peace. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, <coughs> whose mind is stayed on thee. Notice the stipulation, because he trusteth in thee. The stipulation, the condition or requirement. The condition cannot be fulfilled unless we fulfill what it says. Unless we do what it tells us. The greatest difficulty all of us have as believers is having faith in God. Trusting Him completely. Absolute trust. Complete faith. He says this stipulation is because He trusteth in thee. We trust him for the outcome, whatever it may be. Because in the absence of trust, there's fear. Fear has torment. Fear bringeth a snare. Fear keeps us up at night. Fear makes us anxious. 
Fear makes us worry. Fear makes us lose weight. Fear leads to depression. Fear leads to loss of appetite, loss of weight. We fear many things. Even among God's choicest saints, when they get down to the valley of the shadow of death, they fear death itself. Yes, we know Christ is Savior. Yes, we know we're saved. We know what the Bible says, that he that has the Son has life, and he that has not the Son of God has life. But the truth of the matter is, our faith is very small. We fear during the storms. We have fear when we go through the fiery trials. We have fear when we're abandoned. We have fear when we're left out. We have fear when we're rejected. We have fear when the perceptions of our minds play games with us and we imagine things that are evil that are not evil. But the, but the writer here, Isaiah, said, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. Listen today. Trust in God is leaning all of our weight on him. It's like sitting on a chair. You put all your weight on him. You're letting go. You're letting God. It's putting all the weight of our burden and problem on the Lord and taking our hands off of it. The Bible gives us a very simple and yet a very profound promise in Proverbs chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Keep your fingers in Isaiah 26. But notice Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Solomon wrote this. And Solomon learned, in spite of the kingdom being handed to him, in spite of never having fought wars during his time, if everything prepared for him, he learned as he wrote Proverbs chapter 3 of the important doctrine, the important Christian life virtue of trusting in the Lord. And he wrote, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not or depend not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. You see, trust in God, the stipulation... Trust must be personal. Trust must be personal. You can't trust for me. I can't trust for you. You will not attain perfect peace unless you personally have learned to trust in God, to trust Him about your future, to trust Him about your mate for a single person, to trust Him about your finances, to trust him about your fears. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thy heart. You must trust in God. It must be personal. Secondly, trust must be plenary. It's with all your heart, not part of your heart. We're not to lean on our own understanding. You know what we do? And this is part of the process of being educated. We go through the educational process. We want to analyze we want to scrutinize. We want to break it down. We're looking for the solution and answer. We want to process it in our heart and minds, and we want to find it our way. We want to do the engineering approach. We want to do the mathematical approach. We want to do the strategic planning approach. 
We want to do the financial plan. We, we, we basically, that's how we're taught. That's how we live. That's how we conduct ourselves. But in the realm of the spiritual things of God, that's not how it works. Trust must be plenary. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Not a part of our, listen, if all of our heart does not trust in God, that means we have no faith in God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. It must be plenary. We must trust him absolutely. We must trust him thoroughly. I wonder this morning, can you trust God with all your heart? Can you trust God with all your needs? Student, will you trust God for your education and your future? Would some of you students even think about the fact that it's time for you, instead of worrying about what the second world can do for you, to learn how to trust God? Maybe some of you students today should make the decision. Maybe some of you single people should make the decision that you're going to go to Bible college for one year. And you're going to learn to work your way through college and to work your way through Bible college and learn the word of God and, to, and get yourself grounded in foundational truths and just to trust God for your future and not worry about being set back one year or two years and worry about whether or not you'll lose a scholarship. All those things we worry about. Maybe it's time for some students to step out. I wonder maybe it might be time for some young couples to step back from your career goals. Let your pastor set you up to serve on the mission field for one year, maybe two years, with a missionary family that's getting the job done. Poverty-stricken areas. In areas of the world where disease is running rampant, and religions are hostile to Jesus Christ, there'll be a day coming, I hope sooner than later, our church will be able to reassemble. Would you trust God to give us this city, to give us our county for the gospel's sake? Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Not be reactive and say, okay, we're in shelter in place and five people are losing their jobs and two million people last week fought for a jobless case. Would you trust in the Lord with all your heart? Trust must be personal. Trust must be plenary. But notice in verse 4, trust must be permanent. He said, trust ye in the Lord forever. We can trust God when everything's going good. We can trust God when our health is good. We can trust God when we've got money in the bank. We can trust God because everything's being taken care of. But would you trust God permanently? Would you trust him for the remainder of your life? Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. You see, this morning, there's a stipulation for peace because he trusteth in thee. The source of peace is God himself. Thou, thou, not you, not psychology, not medicine, not education, not a movement. Thou, God, the source of peace, the stipulation for peace. But notice he tells us something wonderful. He tells us about the sustaining of peace. Look again. That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind, whose mind is stayed on thee. Our minds are the gateway for our thoughts, 
our emotions, our feelings, our decisions, what you see, what you read, what you hear, what you experience through touch, those are the gateway into our mind. As a man thinketh in his heart, so any, so is he. And many of us, if not all of us, we are challenged. We're seriously challenged in the sustaining of perfect peace because our minds, frankly, are not on thee. They're not on God. They're not on God thoroughly. They're not on God completely. When we wake up in the morning in our thoughts of the Lord, we rest our, bed on, our head on the pillow at night and our thoughts on God. And Isaiah is speaking about here that our mind must be stayed on thee. Circle the word stayed if you've never done that. It literally means to be sustained, to be steadfast, absolute, getting your feet entrenched and so embedded, nothing's going to move you. That's the kind of mind we need. That's the kind of mind that has perfect peace. Now, to understand that earlier, I spoke about peace with God. Perfect peace is the peace of God. Perfect peace is the peace of God. That's the only kind of peace God wants to give us. God doesn't give us piecemeal peace. He gives us peace, peace, perfect peace. So if you go over to Philippians chapter 4, notice verses 6 through 8. And he gives us here the prescription for how to sustain perfect peace. We're talking about peace with God. Notice verse 6. I want you to look at it very carefully and take down some notes. Be careful for nothing. The word be is an imperative. It's a command. The word careful means anxiety, anxious, full of care full of worry, a nervous wreck, always bothered. Jesus said that about Martha. Martha, Martha, thou art troubled about many things. Careful is having a troubled mind, a troubled soul. And here's God, here's what God has said. Do you notice this? God calls all of our problems, all of our fears, all of our difficulties, Everything we get stressed out about, how we take molehills and make them into mountains, you know what he calls it? Nothing. He says everything that goes on wrong in our life, he said, it's nothing. Be careful for nothing. That's how God describes it. You know what? We make things bigger than God cares to make them. He calls it nothing. Nothing. Be careful for nothing. Your anxiety, it's nothing. Your worry, it's nothing. Your fear, it's nothing. God says, be careful for nothing. Here's what he says we need to do. But in everything, that means everything. Amen? 
by prayer, and he, this, is, this, is, this is tied together, prayer and supplication, not prayer alone, not supplication alone, combined prayer and supplication. He's saying by this, when we are overwhelmed, when we are overcome, when sorrow has overtaken us, when the storm has overtaken us, and everything by prayer and supplication. In other words, you must give yourself to a continuous time and period of prayer, laying out the entire matter before God, talking to God about it until the burden is lifted. I shared many times this story, but about, I don't know, about 12 years ago, somewhere like that, my wife was diagnosed for the very first time with cancer. We're walking down a pathway I really didn't understand. She had peace about it. I didn't, to be honest with you. She had greater faith than me. We took a few days. We had planned to go away for a few days, and we kept it. i honest with you. I couldn't focus very much on that. And I prayed like many of you prayed. But I still remember it was a Thursday morning. I tossed a turn, as I did for several nights. I rolled myself out of bed between 3.30 and 4 o'clock that morning, a different time zone. Went into the restroom so I wouldn't wake up anybody else. Closed the door. Turned my face towards the bathtub. Got on my face before that little carpet, little place there. And in prayer and supplication, I let my request be made known to God. I told God everything I knew about cancer everything I did know about cancer. I, knew, I told God everything I knew about the treatment plan and everything I did know about the treatment plan. I, got, I told God everything about I knew about my marriage and everything I did know about my marriage. I told God everything that was wrong with me, nothing that was right with me. I spent some time with God, prayer and supplication. You know what happened there? When you spend time in prayer and supplication, you spend time before God. There's something, I don't know how to, I don't know how to describe it. The old timers used to call it praying through. When the holiness of God comes upon you and the peace of God comes upon you. And all I can tell you is that I saw a crack under the bathroom door. The sunrise had come up. I was oblivious to the time, oblivious to where I was at, oblivious to what was going on. And I looked up for a moment. I sensed something going on. And I saw a crack underneath the door and the light had come up. And I sensed at that moment of time the burden on my shoulders and on my heart was lifted off my soul. And through prayer and supplication, God came alongside of me, put his wonderful strong arms around me, said, son, it's okay. You can trust me for this. You can trust me for this. And I saw the answers given here in Philippians 4, verse 6, that in everything by prayer and supplication, I let my request be made known to God. And he said this, I gave God thanks with that, by the way. He said with thanksgiving. You see, many times we get... Well, a lot of times we get embittered by what's going on because we didn't thank the Lord for the tribulation. We didn't thank God for the trial. We didn't thank God that he put us in that circumstance there. And so he says, let your request be made known to God. And here's how we get the peace of God. Notice verse 7. And the peace of God. That's perfect peace. Shalom, shalom. And the peace of God, which he says, passeth or surpasses all understanding. You know what? Our understanding doesn't understand perfect peace. Our understanding can't grasp it. 
We don't know how to wrap our heart around it. We just know when it happens, it's there. It's that peace that we have during the storm that the storm doesn't bother us. It's that peace we have like the three Hebrew young men that went through the fiery trial. It did not burn them. It did not bother them. They did not burn. and they, they, not, Nothing bothered them there. I'm saying today, when we have that perfect peace, the peace of God which passes all understanding, notice this, it shall rule. It shall control. It will have lordship. It will keep your hearts and minds. Notice the word keep means it will guard you. It will protect you. The peace of God keeps you from getting stressed out again. And the peace of God keeps you from getting all whacked out again. And the peace of God keeps you from getting all agitated. And the peace of God helps you to learn how to pray through some things and get answers to prayer. And the peace of God helps you to realize we don't need to make a bigger matter out of things than we do because God is always in control and God's going to take care of it better than you and I. The sustaining of peace. He said in verse 8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. You know what God does with the peace of God? He gets us off the darkness, the negative the injured past, the forgiveness we find difficult to exercise, the bitterness which has got a, has got a crush on us. You know what he does? We think about things that are lovely, things that are of honest report, things that are good. Instead of the garbage in our mind, we have godliness in our mind. The sustaining of peace. That will keep it in perfect peace whose mind stayed on thee. Where's your mind today? Where are your thoughts this morning? Do you have the sustaining of perfect peace? Finally this morning, the source of peace is God himself. The stipulation of peace is trusting in the Lord. The sustaining of this peace is our mind being stayed on God. But notice the satisfaction of perfect peace. He says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah's everlasting strength. And what is the satisfaction? Go back to verse 3. Two words. Perfect peace. You can't buy it. You can't assign a price to it. It's the utmost of satisfaction. The Christian who has perfect peace is under such powerful control that the Lord is so working your heart, the sickness, setback, sorrow, sadness, disappointment, losses, whatever it may be, abandonment, Disloyalty, disrespect, even death itself cannot shake you. And if we look and go down, I want you to notice Isaiah when he wrote this. Isaiah was looking for perfect peace. From chapter 13 to chapter 23, 
He's gotten a glimpse into the future, the judgment of nations. He declared the woes of God against countries. He saw death. He saw rubble. He saw walls being broken down. He saw famine. He saw the sword. Honestly, Isaiah was discouraged. His heart was agitated. He felt discouraged about things. As God was speaking to him, he made a personal application. When he said him, you know who he's talking about? Himself. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is steady. Because you know what? Isaiah looked so far into the future and looked so far into the problems that, would, that were come and the problems that were going on of Israel being overtaken by Assyria and Babylonian captivity and the judgment of God upon Babylon and Egypt and all that. He forgot that God was in control. Isaiah is growing in grace just like you and I are growing in grace. And he tells us here as we look at the satisfaction, notice a little bit further down in your passage tonight and we're done. Verses 9, 8, and 9, he describes us the steps of attaining this satisfaction. Would you notice this? He said, Yea, in the way of thy judgments, O Lord, have we waited for thee. Number one, perfect peace requires you and me to wait on God. You cannot rush God, you cannot move God faster then his will dictates the process. Isaiah learned he couldn't get this peace unless he waited on God. Look what he says. Yea, in the way of thy judgments, O Lord, have we waited for thee. Notice secondly, the desire of our soul is to thy name and to the remembrance of thee. Would you notice this? Number one, we must wait on God. Number two, the desire of our soul. Perfect peace is attained when all we want in our soul is Jesus Christ. The greatest satisfaction is Jesus only, desiring the Lord and Him alone. Verse 9, with my soul have I desired thee in the night. With my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. You know what he's saying there? He knew God's judgments were coming. He saw God's judgments as the exercise of his righteousness. We talked about that last week, the righteousness of God. But he learned the working of God's righteousness is the way God instructs people about who he is. This world that rejects God, they will learn of God through his righteousness. But Isaiah said for himself, with my soul have I desired thee in the night, yea, and with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. The satisfaction of perfect peace. In verse 12, he pulls it all together by saying this, Lord, thou wilt ordain peace for us, for thou also hast wrought all our works in us. He said, Lord, I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to seek you with all my soul. I'm going to trust you, Lord. You've ordained peace. You've appointed peace for me, Lord. And he said in verse 12, for thou also has wrought all our work in us. You know what he's saying there? God's going to take care of everything. You're going to work everything out. You'll take care of it. It may not turn out the way I want it to turn out, 
but I'm going to have peace because it turned out the way God wanted it to turn out. And by the way, whatever God wants it to turn out to be, that's still better for us. Job chapter 22, verse 21, Eliphaz said this, Lord, thou wilt ordain peace for us. He said, acquaint now thyself with thee, with him, and be at peace. Thereby good shall come unto thee. Know the Lord. Know the Lord. Acquaint yourself with him and be at peace. During the French War, a train needed to make its way, make a 60-mile journey from one location to the other. The country was torn by war. And this train carrying some dispatches, a few passengers, an important cargo, made a very perilous journey through mountains that are very narrow, passageways that were very scary. That train was going full speed. The engineer at the throttle kept that thing moving fast. When he made a turn, those few passengers on there, they gripped the seat with fear and they went from one side to the other. When he sometimes went over a hill and then came down, the train literally bounced up and down on the tracks, if you can imagine that. A very frightening journey. A very long 60 minutes for those passengers. Up at the top, down to the valley. Around a bend, and then up again. They'd hit some bumps. After about 30 minutes of travel, the people were so frazzled, so terrified. They were crying. They're wondering, are we going to make it? Are we going to even get out of this? They noticed there near the front by the conductor was a little girl, probably about eight years of age, smiling, singing to herself, happy. While everybody else was crying, and sometimes they would go, they would shift from one side of the train to the other. They noticed this little girl at complete and total peace about the situation. Finally, one lady, somewhat dignified, but a little just annoyed with that little girl, said in a very abrupt way, little girl, how could you be so happy? How could you be so content while this train is going up and down, going around, and we, are, we might even fall off the track, we might even go down the ravine and fall down the hill and die? She said, ma'am, I'm not afraid because my father is the conductor. And I remind you this morning, our Heavenly Father is the conductor. He's the eternal engineer. He's in control. We might fly from one side to the other and from another side to the other. We might bounce the tracks every now and then. We might hit a groove along the way and hit a curve along the way. But thank God this morning, our Heavenly Father is the conductor. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever. For the Lord Jehovah is your everlasting strength. wonder this morning, would you claim that perfect peace? Be honest. You get anxious? You got a bad temper? You get agitated? You get easily annoyed? 
You're fearful. You're very worried. You have fears. Your fears are greater than your faith in God. You need that perfect peace this morning. Perfect peace comes, first of all, by having peace with God. Do you know, do you have peace with God? Are you born again? Are you saved? That's what peace with God is. Being justified by faith is getting saved. Confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart that God is raised from the dead. Peace of God. Be careful for nothing. All of our woes, all of our cares, God says they're nothing. And they are nothing before him. And everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. Your praying is not in the will of God if it's not with thanksgiving. And our praying for the burden to go away is not in the will of God if we're not praying with supplication. God may choose not to take the burden away, but God may choose to overcome it with his peace. We need the peace like a river glorious. Would you claim that this morning in your car? Would you claim that in your living room as you're watching my live stream? Would you trust God for perfect peace in your life? Would you exercise God, trust in God and stepping out and, and, and achieving his peace in your life by doing the perfect will of God? Would you trust Christ this morning, your Savior? You can. I'll help you do that in just a moment. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we close in prayer. For every Christian here this morning, <coughs> every believer watching, would you tell the Lord today, Forgive me, Lord, for lacking your trust in you. Lord, I don't have that perfect peace. I want my mind stayed on you. I want to trust in you. This morning, if you're not sure you're saved, God wants you to be at peace with him. Because we're at, we're at enmity with God. Through the blood of his cross, he reconciled us. Through the blood of his cross, he attained peace for us. But you, you're not going to have peace with God unless you get saved. And here's how you can get saved this morning. Wherever you're at, would you call on the Lord right now? You can pray a prayer like this, but it must be your prayer. It must be your I repent of my sins. I confess that I am a sinner who needs to be saved. And with all my heart, I believe that your son Jesus died for my sins and rose again from the dead. Right now I take Jesus to be my Savior. Wash away my sins for your forgiveness and the gift of eternal life. Thank you, Lord, for saving me in Jesus' name. Father, this morning, your people have listened so well. Your word has been a medicine to our soul. It has spoken to us and helped us to realize perfect peace is the gift of God. Lord, we crave and long for that peace. As Isaiah said, we desire you with all our heart. We wait on you. We trust you this morning. Whatever the outcome is, God, you know what's best. Help us not to be wise in our own eyes, but to fear the Lord and depart from evil. I pray we'd leave this parking lot in peace. I pray that, Lord, we'd have the peace of God that would rule our hearts, our minds, our marriages, our decisions, our lives. Thank you for loving us today. Thank you for this perfect peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today, if you made a decision for the Lord and trusted Christ as your Savior, 
We have a phone number where you can text us your decision. It's called our Prayer Works Line. The number is 925-364-5075. Take a moment to text us today to let me know if you received Jesus Christ as your Savior. I want to help you to start the journey of faith by walking with God. We have literature we want to send you. We want to pray with you and pray for you. If you trusted Christ this morning, praise the Lord. We congratulate you on that. Secondly, today, God spoke to you. Listening to what the scriptures have to say about perfect peace, text us a message and let us know about that. Join us tonight at 5 p.m. as we study Revelation chapter 11 on God's two witnesses. Great study of the seed we want you to know about. On the way out, if we have a few signs, avail yourself of one of those signs that you can put on your lawn to acknowledge our frontliners. Be in prayer for one another. Pray for our church. Pray greatly for the reopening of our church. That'll be sooner, not later. We're going to be on a conference call later this week to see what where the, where the uh, County of Alameda is and the Public Health Department on this matter. But you help us with that. And uh, just praying that God would just help us reopen sooner, not later. Father, dismiss us with your blessing. Thank you for your goodness and grace. We love you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Please follow the ushers on the way out. Right turn only on the way out. We look forward to seeing you on the way out. God bless you. We love you. Thank you for being here today. God bless you.